Good morning, Maranatha. Once again, it is time for a Sunday morning sermon, Sunday Morning Alive, right here on our website. Thank you for coming. If it's Monday, Tuesday, Friday, Saturday, wherever and whenever you are hearing this broadcast, you're going to hear a Sunday morning sermon if you stay tuned today. And I pray that you will, because we need the Word of God, especially now in these times, to to be like it was to the psalmist David. He said, Thy word, O Lord, is a lamp unto my feet, and it is a light unto my pathway. Praise God. I'm glad we have the Word of God as a light and a lamp in this sin-darkened world, in this time uh, called the end times, this perilous time that we are in. Amen. This last of the last days, the coming of the Lord is drawing near, but it's at midnight when there was a cry, Behold, the bridegroom cometh. So we're nearing that midnight hour, I believe, in human history. So today we want to bring you a message to help you stay true to God, as help you to to rekindle the first love if it needs stirring up within you, uh, if it's never been kindled, to find that place in your heart and life to love Him back for loving you the way that He's loved you today. Love will hold us. Love believes all things, endures all things. Amen. It never ends, and it never fails. Praise God. If you, if you want the, the kind of love that will make you, make you non-compromising and devoted, it comes by being stimulated by His great love for you and for me today. That's what stimulates it. The Bible said we should love the Lord our God. It's not should. It's not a suggestion. It's a commandment. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, thy mind, thy strength, thy soul, thy body, everything we are and everything we have. Now, we can't just turn that on like a switch in us. So God not only tells us to love him like that, but especially in the new covenant, he stimulates that kind of love, bringing that kind of devotion through giving his son and Christ giving his life at the cross. Amen. That's why this message is so important, is to stimulate that love to be returned to him, to be reciprocated back to him. Hallelujah. Amen. If you turn with me in the Bible, Ephesians 4 and verse 32, listen to what it says on the subject, forgiven for Jesus' sake, forgiven for Jesus' sake, such amazing grace. Hallelujah. Amen. I can't wait to get into this message today because I have this message inside of me and it's like a, a percolator perkin. Perkin. Hallelujah. Amen. I, I feel the presence of God here today. I pray that you will sense the presence of God right where you are. If you're not a Christian today, please stay tuned. Have you ever heard of the song? Maybe you were raised in a Christian home and, and you haven't come to the place in your life 
to make that all-important decision to receive Christ as your Savior. But you maybe have heard the song that so many have heard and that they play on bagpipes at funerals many times and special occasions. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found, was blind, but now I see. Amen. Forgiven for Jesus' sake. Such amazing grace. If you have your Bible, I want to read a scripture from the New Testament, the New Covenant, in Ephesians 4 and verse 32. And then read an illustration of this, an event that happened in the Old Covenant. So in Ephesians 4.32 it says, And be ye kind to one another tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. I like the King James because it uses the very term for Christ's sake. If you've got a new international, it'll say even as Christ in, even as God in Christ has forgiven you. I believe they're basing that on another scriptures that said to wit, God was in Jesus Christ reconciling the world unto himself. So that's not uh, out of order, but it is all literally for the sake of Jesus that we are forgiven. If he hadn't went to the cross, if he hadn't stayed on the cross, if he hadn't shed his blood, we could never possibly hope to be saved. That is such amazing grace. Now, if you have your Bible, turn with me or write it down. Second uh, Samuel chapter 9, verse 1 through 11. Beautiful, beautiful, true event that happened on this subject, blessed for the sake of another. And it is the story of Meshivasheth. You may not have heard of him. He's not like Samson or, or some great Bible hero or patriarch. But boy, does it tell us something about how amazing grace is and how grace works and how God grants it to us because of his great mercy and great love wherewith he loved us. Amen. Let's read it together. Second Samuel 9, 1 through 11. While you're turning or writing it down, let me make a statement to you. Grace is one of the most beautiful words and terms in all of the Word of God because it encapsulates God's, encapsulates God's redemptive love for fallen man. When He punished His Son for our sins and forgave us for His sake. And this story here of Meshivasheth captures beautifully the character and the consequences of such amazing grace. Second Samuel 9, let's read together, beginning with verse 1. David said, Is there any that is left in the house of Saul that I may show him kindness for Jonathan's sake? And there was in the house of Saul a servant whose name was Ziba. And when they had called him unto David, the king said unto him, Art thou Ziba? And he said, Thy servant is he. And the king said, Is there not any of the house of Saul that I may show the kindness of God unto him? 
And Ziba said unto the king, Jonathan hath yet a son, which is lame on his feet. And the king said unto him, Where is he? And Ziba said unto the king, Behold, he's in the house of Matur, the son of Amiel, in Lodbar. And David sent and fetched him out of the house of Matur, the son of Amiel, from Lodbar. Now when Meshibosheth, here he is, the son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, was come unto David, he fell on his face and did reverence. And David said, Meshibosheth, and he answered, Behold thy servant. And David said unto him, Fear not, for I will surely show thee kindness. You see, that's why the scripture in the New New Covenant tells us to be kind to one another and forgiving, to show the grace to each other that God has shown us, the forgiveness to one another that God has shown us. Let me read that again in verse 7. David said unto him, Fear not, for I will surely show thee kindness for Jonathan thy father's sake. <laughs> and I will restore thee all the land of Saul thy father, and all thou shalt eat bread at my table continually. And he bowed himself and said, What is thy servant that thou shouldest look upon such a dead dog as I am? In, in, in relation, he's, he's, he, he has nothing. He owns nothing. Uh, he's, his future is bleak. He, he, he's, 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 he's handicapped. All he could do is beg for someone to help him, to have mercy on him. And here is the king of Israel granting unto him an inheritance. Praise God. And, and no, no wonder the songwriter said in amazing grace that it saved a wretch like me. O wretched man that I am, Paul said, who shall deliver me from this body of sin? But then he said, I thank God through Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Listen, verse 9 said, Then the king called unto Ziba, Saul's servant, and said unto him, I've given unto thy master's son all that pertaineth to Saul and all his house. Thou therefore and thy sons and thy servants shall till the land for him, and shall bring in the fruits that thy master's son may have food to eat. But Meshibosheth, thy master's son, shall eat bread always at my table. <laughs> not only is he, he not going to have to worry about shelter and food, he, he's going to inherit all of this and others are going to till the land. Ah, but he said he's going to sit at my table, at the king's table. Now Ziba had 15 sons and 20 servants. Then said Ziba unto the king, according to all my lord, the king hath commanded his servant, so shall thy servant do as for Meshibosheth. Said the king, he shall eat at my table as one of the king's sons. And Meshibosheth had a young son whose name was Mecha. And all that dwelt in the house of Ziba were servants unto Meshibosheth. So Meshibosheth dwelt in Jerusalem, and did eat continually at the king's table. 
He's lame in both his feet, but it didn't make any difference at all. He owned nothing. He would have become a beggar and maybe died of starvation. But here he is, seated at the king's table continually. Oh, how amazing grace is. Paul put it this way in the New Covenant. What manner of love is this, that we might be called the sons of God. And if sons of God, then heirs of God. And if an heir of God, then an heir of Jesus Christ. Amen. Listen, friend of mine, this grace is amazing and it flows to us for the sake of another. For Jesus' sake, we are forgiven. Number one, I want to tell you this morning that God is the initiator of saving grace. And David said in verse 1, Is there any left of the house of Hall, Saul, that I may show him kindness for Jonathan's sake? Someone has said this, Saving grace is something that begins and ends with God. Man does not seek God. God seeks men. I want to add to that. Listen, every world religion without exception Man is seeking God. God doesn't, their God, their concept of God, their man-made God, their idol does not seek them. They have to seek Him through all kinds of religious rigmarole. Ah, but saving grace is something that begins and ends with God. Man does not initially seek God, but God seeks men. In Romans 3.11 it said, There is none that understandeth. There is none that seeketh after God. Second principle here is that man does not initiate salvation. God does. Man does not provide the means of salvation by some great work that we do to earn it or merit it. Grace is unmerited favor. You can do a lot of things to thank God for it, but you can't do anything to earn it except to repent of your sin and receive Christ as your Savior. Hallelujah. Look at Romans 5 and verse 8. It said, But God commendeth His love toward us, While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Hallelujah. God saw the need of man, and He took the initiative. He provided a Savior to cleanse us, a Spirit to draw us, and a plan to save us. Have you got on your shouting shoes today? I'm telling my dear sister and, and, and friends up in, up in Tennessee, I know you got on your shouting shoes today. Grace is totally sovereign. It's something that God does for man. Listen, you're not going to heaven today because you belong to the first church of what's happening now or any other first church or finest church. You're not going to heaven today if you're a Christian because you're the most upright person in your community. All these things are good. You're not going to heaven, though, because you are charitable and kind to the less fortunate. There's nothing that you and I can do or be to save ourselves. No wonder grace is called amazing. No wonder grace is called 
amazing. Amen. Hallelujah. God extends His grace to the members of Adam's fallen family. We do not deserve His grace, His love, or His mercy. In fact, <laughs> we, if we receive what we deserved, we'd receive judgment and damnation and eternal separation from God and punishment in a place that the Bible calls hell. You don't hear about that place. You just hear about heaven. But it's like two sides of the same coin. You can't have one without the other. You can't have God without the devil, and you can't have heaven without hell. And thank God you don't have to serve the devil, be deceived by the devil, be defrauded of heaven where God wants you to live eternally by the devil. Praise God you can go to heaven today because of God's amazing grace. And that grace is granted and flowing to us because of what Jesus did. In our behalf, on the cross, we can be saved because and for the sake of another. Hallelujah. Amen. God extends His amazing grace to us because of another. He reaches out to the fallen, depraved sinners because He loves His Son and because Jesus died for us on the cross. Neither you or me have anything to merit us to God. But because of... Oh, wait, wait, wait. I'm going to back up. I hear somebody saying, you don't know how good I am. (laughs) Oh, dear friend, it's everywhere, isn't it? The Bible said that our righteousness, our best effort, our greatest works, our grandest sacrifices, when compared to God's holy requirement, all of our righteousness, that that we can produce and we should be righteous people and we should be good people and we should be generous people but all of it taken together is as a filthy rag for we've all before God uh, oh friend you, you don't want to know how filthy that rag really really is it's something that is abomination to God our attempt at it is an absolute failure Amen. We'll never get to heaven telling God how good we are or showing God how good we are. We're going to heaven solo Cristo. (laughs) Only Jesus and only grace. Praise God. For by grace you are saved. Through faith. It is the gift of God. It is not of works lest any man should boast. That doesn't mean that Christians shouldn't live the very best Christian example in life that we possibly can. But we need to understand that our salvation is not earned by those works. Those works are loving Him back for loving us the way that He has loved us. Amen. Hallelujah. I'm so glad today to understand the song Amazing grace. How sweet the sound. Does it still reverberate in you and produce love for God and for Christ in you today? Amen. Does grace grab a hold of you? We know we don't deserve this kind of love, this kind of forgiveness, and yet God grants it freely for Jesus' sake. Hallelujah. Amen. I, I like this story. I've told it many times, but it really, really, 
helps to bring it home to me today. In this little story, a man dies and goes to heaven. Of course, in many of the stories, St. Peter meets him at the pearly gates. And Peter says, here's how it works. You need a hundred points to make it into heaven. You tell me all the good things you've done and I'll give you a certain number of points for each item, depending on how good it was. When you reach a hundred points, you get in. Okay, the man said, I was married to the same woman for 50 years. You know something today? I got him beat. I'm getting ready to celebrate 60 years with the same woman. (laughs) Amen. And I never cheated on her, even in my heart. (laughs) Oh, friend, now we're getting close to home, aren't we? That's wonderful, says St. Peter. That's worth three points. Three points, he says. Well, I attended church all my life and supported its ministry with my tithe and service. One point. Golly, how about this? I started a soup kitchen in my city and worked in a shelter for the homeless veterans. Fantastic. That's good for two more points, he says. Two points. Two points, the man cries. At this rate, the only way I can get into heaven is by the grace of God. 100 points. Come on in. Hallelujah. Oh, friend of mine, I want you to know today, there are a lot of people, even sitting in church, that are still trying to earn what is freely given for Jesus' sake. Instead of doing all these good things, to return love and reverence and respect for the God who gave His Son and the Son who gave His life on Mount Calvary. Praise God, we are forgiven. We are forgiven for Jesus' sake. And that is the reason that God grants the grace that allows us to be forgiven today. Praise God. Amen. Listen, Meshibosheth was granted mercy and grace because David loved Jonathan and Jonathan loved David. And and even though Saul tried to kill David, he still said, I'm not going to punish him because he's in that bloodline. No, I'm going to bless him. I'm going to bless him even though many would look upon him as, no, don't bring anybody in here with any handicaps. It, it wouldn't look right. It would take away from the, from the grandeur of the king's table. He said, no, you bring him in here. Every time I sit down at my throne to eat, I want that man seated at my table. You know, there's a New Testament, New Covenant scripture that grace has, has, has granted us. Jesus said, I haven't called you servants. Even though we are servants of the Lord and we are called to serve, He said, I haven't called you servants. I've called you friends. <laughs> Hallelujah. Because, because the servant doesn't know what his Lord doeth. You see, when family business was, was, was discussed, the servants were, were told to leave the room. They were not part of that because they were not part of the family. 
Uh, but the Apostle Paul looked down at the congregation in the early church and said, What? Know ye not that you are the very sons of Almighty God? And if sons, then heirs of God. And if an heir of God, then an heir of the Lord Jesus Christ. <laughs> Don't you get it yet? They didn't get it. And here we are in the 21st century. <laughs> and there's still a lot of Christians who just don't get it. Oh, friend of mine. Meshavosheth was a, was a cripple and an outcast. Hopeless, helpless, living in fear. No inheritance and no future a fatherless child was in dire straits in ancient time oh friend of mine but when david took him in when david took him in oh friend and blessed him with such and showed him such mercy and such grace what a change it made in his life what a change it makes in our life when we are called the friends of God, when we are called heirs of Christ, sons and daughters of God, <laughs> hallelujah, brothers and sisters of Jesus spiritually, hallelujah, and we are called to the king's table, and we are seated with him in heavenly realms. Glory be to God. Hallelujah. The Bible said we've been buried with him. We've been raised with him. And we have been seated with him. In heavenly realms. In heavenly places. And we're going to eat with him at the king's table. <laughs> at the marriage supper of the Lord. Have you got on your shouting shoes this Sunday morning? Are we just going through a, a humdrum head knowledge Bible study? Or our hearts beginning to beat a little faster? Are we beginning to feel a little more like the children of the King, hallelujah, that we might embrace all that grace has granted us and love Him back for such an amazing grace as this. Let me tell you something as we close today real quick. The Roman and Greek culture of Paul's day, a father could force his children out of the home at any time at any age. He could sell his own children as slaves. He could enslave them, chain them, force them to work in the fields. He could take the law in his own hands and declare any sentence he passed. He could even have them put to death and answer to no one for his actions. Now that's shocking that in a so-called civilized society that that kind of authority would be given infants were placed at their father's feet for him to inspect. If he picked up the child, it was accepted into the family and cared for. If he walked away, the child was simply disposed of. Babies like these who were healthy, we picked up, taken to the forum, and sold to be raised as slaves and prostitutes. The Roman statesman Seneca, who lived in Rome while Paul was in prison there, wrote, and I quote, We slaughter a fierce ox. We strangle a mad dog. We plunge a knife into a sick cow. Children born weak or deformed 
we drown. Oh, friend, do you understand? We were all spiritually deformed. Sin had deformed us. Grace transforms us. And I'm not saying, listen, if you're handicapped today, God bless your heart. Listen, God loves you. He's exalted you. Society may not hold you in esteem like God does. And I'm telling you something, if you're sitting in a wheelchair, if, if, if you're, if you're, if you're, if you're disfigured in some way, regardless of what the handicap is, I'm telling you today, a day is coming and it's coming soon. If you come to Christ as your Savior, if you have accepted Christ as your Savior, a day is coming soon. Oh, I can't help but shout. <laughs> Do you? I got on my shouting shoes today. I said a day is surely soon coming when we're going to walk up the king's highway. And the lame man there, the scriptures declare, shall leap as the heart, as the young deer. Amen. The blind man is going to see. The sick man is never going to be sick again. Praise God. The trump is going to sound. And Jesus is going to take us home. And we're going to sit down at the king's table at the marriage supper of the Lamb. And we're going to eat at his table throughout all eternity. That's how amazing grace is today. Today, I'm going to tell you, sin will disfigure us. Sin will destroy us. God will transform us. <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. Grace is a transforming power because it gives us the opportunity to be translated out of the power of darkness and into the kingdom of God's dear Son. This is such amazing grace this morning today if you're a christian i want you to know you're you have you were an old sinner and you have been saved by grace through faith but you are no longer an old sinner <laughs> hallelujah you are now a son of the living god you are an heir of Jesus Christ. And because of that, you are an heir of God and a joint heir with Jesus Christ. And today you need to square your shoulders, not in pride, but in confidence in who you are now that you have been saved. You're a son. You're a child of the living God and you're seated at the king's table hallelujah praise God he prepareth a table for me and he anoints my head with oil I'm so glad today to be a child of the king today if you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior you can become a child of the king Sin is disfiguring you. It will ultimately destroy you. But thank God you can be forgiven because of this amazing grace. For the Jesus' sake, you can be forgiven. God will pardon you for Jesus' sake 
if you repent of your sin and receive His Son as your Sovereign and your Savior. Come to Christ today. Come to Christ today and taste this grace and love Him back for loving you like that and serving with all that you are and all that you have and be ready for the soon coming of Jesus Christ. Amen.